Kia ora and welcome to In The Loop. This is a very special episode this week. Cherie's away, but I've actually got my sister, Laura, here and her friend, Nikki, just friends, not lovers. And we're speaking about polyamory. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me here. Thank you guys both for joining us. My first question, because I feel like I've got a thousand questions, but the question that kind of is burning in my mind is when did you first realise that the sort of typical relationship wasn't really something you wanted? Nikki, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) I think like traditional relationships, I always felt like there was something missing. It didn't quite fit the mould of like how I saw my life like panning out. But I don't really think there was ever a point of being like, oh, this is what I want. And it probably wasn't until I was like properly introduced to it when I was living in Canada. So that would have been like five or six years ago. How did you get introduced to it? Uh, So it was actually a workmate. So she was like, oh, yeah, I live with my partner and his wife. And I was just like, what? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, Did you think it was weird at all or were you like, that sounds exciting and fun? Um, yeah, more that sounds exciting and like that's different and I've never heard of anyone doing that before. And then, yeah, I guess I kind of had a thousand questions like everyone does and like what I saw and how they were doing it seemed really successful. You know, they'd all been living together for almost two years and it was working really well for them. So I guess I saw that dynamic and was just like, oh, cool. That's cool. And from then on, did you know that it was something you wanted to explore? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I can see this working. And so, Laura, how did you first realise that this was something you wanted to look into? And, And did you know from a young age that you didn't want to be in kind of the binary of a traditional relationship? Um, I feel like, uh, this is funny talking because I feel like we've never talked about this before. <laughs> it's kind of like all the questions I've wanted to ask my sister, but have it's kind of, you don't really want to intrude on someone's personal life. And I obviously like we grew up in the same household, but you never really get the opportunity to be like, so when did you decide that you wanted to go out with two women at the same time? <laughs> I feel like Katie is excited and I am nervous. She's <laughs> <laughs> putting me on the spot here, eh? <laughs> I know. Um, I never really, like, I, I had a boyfriend when we were in high school and I just kind of, like, had a boyfriend. I just kind of thought that was normal. Do you think it was, I guess, were you kind of just going along with, because I know you know, from a young age in a, in a lot of societies, but especially in, in New Zealand and in a, like where we went to school, which was a Christian school, that was just what you did was get a boyfriend. Like there wasn't really any discussion about alternative relationships or even like LGBTQ plus relationships. Yeah, I think I think definitely. But I think like I, I still really like, we're still friends. Um, and I think our relationship was kind of still different to maybe normal relationships. Like... I think at the time, yeah, I was, like, going through the motions of, like, this is, I don't know, having a boyfriend. But then we would, like, kiss other people and I would kiss girls and I was like, oh, that's just normal. <laughs> and did you feel at the time that you were attracted to women 
in a more sexual and relationship way or did you just think, oh, everyone kisses girls? Yeah, I just thought that was normal. Um, and then, like, I think just going down the track, it was just like, actually, what do I want my life to be like? Like, do I want to get married and have kids and settle down? And, like, I didn't really want that. And then I started dating girls and then it kind of led from there. But there was never a point, like, up until the two girls that I date now where I was like, I'm polyamorous. It was just, like, when I met them, I liked them both. And I was like, this is, like... <laughs> different what does that mean how did you navigate that you know getting feelings for two people at the same time I think like a lot of listening to like a lot of podcasts <laughs> and books um I think I think we we definitely could have done it better and it was kind of funny because when the three of us got together that was when me and Nikki met as well so literally like Nikki moved into the flat I was living in and I was like I've got to tell Nikki that I've got Two girlfriends, kind of. <laughs> Two for the price of one. And mm-hmm. so for both of you, how would you describe your love lives now? Um, I think it's quite different. Um, like I used to feel quite trapped and I would give that one person like my absolute everything. And doing that, I feel like you almost lose yourself in a relationship. Um, and that can be quite a dangerous thing where I feel like now, nah, oh gosh, I don't know how to word it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just have a deeper understanding, I think, of what you want and better communication on what that other person wants and um, can sort of go from there on what feels right for your relationship dynamics. And for you, when you speak about polyamory, are you interested in one type of person or one gender of person or are you quite open in that regard? Um, Yeah, definitely open. I think that society can be so trapped and like they're thinking like you're saying when we're growing up, you're taught, you know, especially as a young woman, you'll get a boyfriend and all of that where I don't think that really counts. You know, you get feelings for who you get feelings for. And yeah, you can't you can't change that. And so you've been in a polyamorous relationship before. What was that like? It was good. <laughs> I was like, oh, how do I answer this? Yeah, no, it's just about having like that open communication and I think knowing yourself. And when you know yourself and your own needs, then it helps you sort of navigate other people's needs and how you can all sort of come together to make that work. And so, Laura, how would you describe your love life or even your love journey? Uh, (laughs) I feel very settled. (laughs) We (laughs) live in a tiny house with a dog. (laughs) And chickens. Um, And and some chickens. And actually, we've got some calves as well. So at the moment, I would say... Yeah, it's funny because I feel like you just mentioned before that you didn't want to kind of like settle down and have kids Whereas now you've just described your life as quite settled and you live this quite picturesque country life with your two girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. But I feel like we're settled, but we're not because our house moves. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you feel like not so stuck in one place. Um, but I guess our relationship involves a lot of, I think a lot of people talk about polyamory as a lot of communication and like a lot of calendar and like work so a lot of people have google calendar 
<laughs> which is when you share all of like your stuff and then you can figure out all of the kind of boring things like when your wife is due and like if one person's working then you can kind of figure that insurance. out insurance insurance yeah one of the scariest things you can hear as a parent is quiet. But if you do get a little quiet time, have a listen to the parenting hangover. It's not scary at all. If I bump into a couple and they have a boy and they have a girl, and I'm like, oh, boy, girl, snip. You've got a boy. You've got a girl. Get the snip. You're you done. Got- you get to figure out what it's like raising a girl. You get to figure out what it's like raising a boy. Save yourself a shit ton of stress and money. You've got your perfect little family. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like sometimes when you speak to people when they are new into trying something or testing out something in their relationship or opening things up, people often can view it as kind of like a silver bullet or something that is just magically going to make your life really amazing. But I know that like everyone, you know, in every relationship, there's always going to be that push and pull and there are always going to be things to navigate and things to get through. How do you maintain or how do you advise people if they want to try this out how do they get that communication right and get that balance between wanting to be spontaneous and fun and in this new relationship but also ensuring that everyone feels like their needs are being met I think it's taken us five years (laughs) wow so have you well have you been together for five years now almost yeah because that's the other thing is I think a lot of the time when we speak about polyamory Often we're speaking about sometimes like quite transient relationships or open relationships that become polyamorous for a while. But you have been quite not it's not monogamous, but you guys are quite a strong unit. Yeah. And I guess it's like a whole like variety of polyamory. Like me and Nikki are both polyamorous, but we do it very differently. And I think definitely for us, we talk to like a psychologist and we see her like once a fortnight, once a month. And that has really helped because she just knows so much about polyamory and being queer. And she's given us lots of advice for like different books to read and like how to navigate different feelings. And she, yeah, she definitely has helped us a lot. And I think it, yeah, it's funny kind of looking back on how we did things at the start and like kind of cringing because you're like, oh, that was so bad. (laughs) What are the things you cringe at? I don't know, just like hiding the fact, like emotions that you're feeling or, yeah, like hiding emotions that you're feeling, not communicating with each other, not really understanding the way that our brains work as well. Like everyone, like different people have kind of different trauma in their lives and that can impact on relationships. And I think that that doesn't really get talked about a lot. And so, yeah, we definitely, there's like, oh, Nikki, what's that book called that uh, Polysecure, I think? Um, yes that talks about kind of attachments and different types of attachments. And that yeah. has been really helpful. What's your attachment style? <laughs> uh, get real, I, I feel like I, I have this book. I have also have a book on attachment styles and I've given it to half my office. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the other thing that often comes up, especially when people speak about, oh, I could never do polyamory or I could never open up my relationship, is the J word, jealousy. We can't really ignore it. And I know that sometimes people, I'm just not a jealous person, but have you guys ever experienced jealousy in these relationships? 
And how did you get through that or how do you manage that? Um, Yeah, I think jealousy can be quite a natural emotion, whether you want to admit that or not. And I guess like personally, I find I experience that when I feel like my relationship um, is like threatened or compromised. And so to overcome it, I think you really have to back yourself and back your own relationship and really like reflect upon you know, what you have to offer and what is like special about your relationship. And then I guess, yeah, like Laura was saying, just communicate, talk it out. Often your partner can provide that comfort and that support. And with that, you know, can come resolutions as well. And Laura, how do you get through those jealous feelings? It's kind of funny because I think literally up until like a couple of days ago, I was like, I don't like, I don't really feel like I'm like a particularly jealous person in the three of our relationship and I've not really felt like a lot of jealousy before but then like the other day all of a sudden I felt kind of like comparing our relationships a little bit more and it was funny because we were talking about it last night and then I was like oh that's jealousy (laughs) (laughs) that's funny even hearing it now because I look at you and I think of like a really secure person and someone who you know, obviously I grew up with you and I've always looked at you like, wow, Laura's so stable. And like, I, I get rocked quite easily by things. So it's interesting hearing, like, I can't even imagine you, I can't even imagine that, but it just shows how how you don't really know someone unless you've fully just been like, hey, have you felt this? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I hadn't until the other day, probably, like, I think. Hadn't acknowledged it. Kind of snippets. Yeah, hadn't really acknowledged it. And then um, I think just a lot of the time as well, it's to do with how you're feeling in general and yourself. And I think lately I've just felt so burnt out at work that then like it kind of brings home negative energy as well. And so then if you feel negative, then you might be more likely to um, have like jealousy. And so I think just being aware of that and being able to communicate that and say actually – this is probably why I'm feeling that and it's going to change. And is that something that you would speak about with your therapist? Yeah. Cool. And you mentioned before that while both you and Nikki are polyamorous, you guys have quite different relationships. Can you guys explain those differences? Um, yeah, so I guess the way... I see relationships as still polyamory in terms of having multiple partners at the same time, Um, where I guess Laura is a secured sort of triad. Um, And yeah, Laura can probably speak more on that. Um, But I guess that's sort of the main difference between the two of us. So you have multiple relationships kind of going on at the same time, not necessarily like a thruple unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, I can have partners that will never meet um, compared to, obviously, Laura with all of them living in a tiny house together. And, Nikki, what's that like? Like, do you ever ask the partners, like, like, do they ever get weird about it or are people normally quite open to the idea of dating someone that's also has has another partner? Yeah, I think um, people are generally quite open to it I guess that's just naturally the sort of people that I'm attracted to and I guess it's just having that sort of safe space to be able to communicate it and then knowing and backing yourself like obviously 
you know pretty early on if it's if there's red flags left right and center you know it's best to just get out and laura like do you want to explain what's it like living kind of in your tiny house living with your two amazing girlfriends and your animals like what is that lifestyle like it's really good it has like really good highs and also has lows as well (laughs) i think the worst this like last year we all got the flu and so we're all home for like a week and it was raining the whole time and i think that was really hard um but we all kind of work different hours at work so that can be quite good because usually it will mean that someone gets some time to themselves quite regularly but also you can kind of see each other in twos as well which I think um, we think is important and our dog loves living in the country (laughs) (laughs) and do you have any rules in your relationship anything that are kind of the non-negotiables I think like initially when we first started seeing each other we had all these kind of like ideas of like maybe we should do this or this like we don't No, we don't have any rules. Um, I think the main thing is just to be honest. Um, And at the moment, the three of us were all like in a closed relationship, so we wouldn't see anyone else. But in the future, if anyone wanted to, it's not like they couldn't do that. It would just be kind of in terms of communicating that. Do you think you would find that hard? Like, it's, I find it so interesting because obviously we've had the same experience growing up and I would really struggle. I don't think I could be in a, in a thruple, but I also would find it really hard as well being in an open relationship because I think I would feel really jealous and I'd feel, I don't know, maybe I'm just saying it because I've never experienced it, but is that something that you might find difficult? Uh, I think I probably would find it harder than this because it feels like very secure, um, and there's something called, I don't know if you've heard of it, compersion. No. What is it? So it's like a polyamory word that people like to use. It's like, this, I don't know, I don't know if Nikki's got a better definition, but my idea of it is that you feel, it's pretty much like you feel good knowing someone else is feeling good or happy in that relationship. Or like if, say, like they both went on a date or went on holiday together, it would make you feel like nice mm-hmm. that they enjoy that if that makes sense um so I think we all feel that in different ways I think it would be interesting to see how it would feel um if there was someone else involved I think more of the logistics would just be hard (laughs) logistics is something else I wanted to get into because I I'm a spreader in the bed. I just, I'm like, a, I'm like lying down. I wake up and I'm like diagonal. How big is your bed? And and are you all in the same bed? Are we talking it's like funny, Super like, King? Literally, <laughs> literally, it's funny how many people ask that question. This is the burning question on everyone's mind is how do you sleep? Literally at work, people are like, I, I don't care about your relationship. I just want to know like what size bed do you have? <laughs> we actually just bought a new bed yesterday and it's just arrived. What size? But mainly because it's inca- uncomfortable, <laughs> not because <of> size. <laughs> so what were you sleeping on and what's the new bed? So we were sleeping on like a random um, mattress that we found. Literally we moved here and the house didn't have a mattress. So we just went to the furniture shop and bought a king mattress. Um, and now we've got an Akosa king mattress. So is that, I'm trying to think, king. Just the same. Honestly. Initially, <laughs> Ed, initially you guys were in a double for what? Yeah. Years? 
I don't know, like two or three. A double's not yeah. even big enough for me alone. <laughs> the double is hard. I feel like the king. Like, did you just have to spoon? Did you have to spoon and yeah. like turn and then navigate? It's like everyone turn and then all turn we've over. Got, like, a double, we've got like a double camping mat as well that we spoon camping in. And that's pretty much like a normal single mattress. And that, that is a little bit too much. <laughs> you have to like coordinate when you roll. Co- coordinate turning. Um, one other question I've always had, and I've never asked you, but what was it like to tell our, I guess, our family that you were dating? Because firstly, you know, we come from quite a puritanical background. And so firstly, what was it like to tell the family that you were dating a woman? Um, it's kind of funny. I, I remember it. Do you? I remember. remember we had the family dinner. <laughs> Um, I remember, I think I remember it. Um, we were having a family dinner and one of our cousins was joking and saying, haha, does Laura, do you have a boyfriend, Laura? And you'd never explicitly told me, but I just knew that you did not have a boyfriend because the girl had been staying over so much and I just burst out laughing. (laughs) And then I think our (laughs) elder sister was like, or a girlfriend. And, And then you said... And then I was like, oh, yes, I don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> and I, like that. I think one of the first things mum said was, when is she coming over for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you scared to tell everyone? Yeah, I feel like I wasn't scared to tell. I think I was like a little bit scared to tell everyone. I kept on putting off. But it was so obvious. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But not to mum. Yeah, I don't think to mum and dad. I think they just thought you were like really good friends with this girl and that you just hung out all the time and that she just slept over at our house like every night because you're best friends. And then what was it like to tell the family that you had two girlfriends? Um, I think the same. It's kind of funny. A lot, a lot of people talk about this. Like you come out as gay and then that's like a big thing. And then a lot of queer people that become polyamorous, it's like you have to come out twice did it feel like that for you yeah yeah I can't remember you coming out the second time I can't I think that I told you you guys I don't know I can't remember maybe I messaged you or something like that and what was the reaction like I think it was just like okay (laughs) when they're coming over for dinner (laughs) um and I I think as well the, it does feel like the world has changed because I feel like half of our relatives like your girlfriends more than they like me because they were welcomed <laughs> in with very open arms. Is, is that what you? Is that how you felt? Yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of hard coming from like quite a heteronormative family. Yeah, I think like, you're the only person in our in our family that's openly dated someone of the same gender. And two people. <laughs> the only, only polyamorous person. Yeah. O- yeah. Openly, we don't know. But Nikki, for you, did you, t- or do you tell your family? Do they know? Um, I guess, like, my relationships, how do I explain it? I don't want to say, like, they're fleeting, but I guess because I do travel a lot, I move around a lot, I'm not really based in one place. To me, it's never, like, I'm never in the same town as my parents anyway. So it's not like, a, oh, like, yeah, like you say, come over for dinner. Um, it's just not, 
Yeah, not the same as this secured triad that you guys are talking about. Um, yeah, I think like obviously when people do become more important and you know you do see a future together, then yeah, sure, absolutely. But until then, um, yeah, just I don't I don't know how to. Explain so you it. haven't told? Have you told anyone in your family? Yeah, so they're aware of like the dating multiple people mm-hmm. and not believing in this set monogamy traditional relationships. But I don't think they've ever really met any of my partners since, like, other than the high school sweethearts and all of that when it was <laughs> traditional relationships. How um, did you tell your parents? Yeah, how did that come um, of a conversation? Like, by the way, mum and dad, I've got. To- <laughs> I've got two partners. Or three. I think I was kind of just very blunt. I was like, oh, well, you know, monogamy is bullshit and relationships don't work sort of thing. And look at these divorce rates. Um, and I think it was kind of just a conversation like that and being like, oh, yeah, like I think it's possible to, you know, like more than one person at the same time and how that can stop, you know, cheating and divorce and, all of that by being able to have open conversations. Nikki, it's interesting that you mentioned cheating because that's one thing that a lot of people say, oh, if you try polyamory, it removes cheating or it can um, fix these big relationship issues because you don't have to seek someone outside the relationship without your partner's consent. But I know that cheating sometimes does still happen in polyamorous relationships. Do you feel like is a fix or not a fix but like do you think it does take away some of that temptation to cheat and be dishonest to your partner yeah I think so um I think it is just about being super transparent um and I think too it's about removing your own ego um if obviously your partner has desires for other people has other needs that you can't meet. It's just about understanding that and then re- really communicating um, how to make that work. And what have you learned about yourself through polyamory? I think there's been a lot of unlearning, <laughs> um, unlearning all those traditional sort of relationship types, unlearning gender roles in a relationship and um yeah, unlearning what it means to be faithful to someone. Yeah, there's been a lot of unlearning of things that you're, you know, subconsciously taught from, you know, right when you're yay high. So, yeah. Do you think that you would ever go back to a more monogamous type of life if you met someone and they were like everything you ever wanted and someone to, to be with? But they were like, no, I can't do polyamory. Would that ever happen? Or are you or are you kind of fully committed into living this way forever? I think like with my lifestyle, because I travel a lot, um, whether I'm working or not, I'm never really based anywhere in particular. Um, so I think it would be really hard to find one person who could meet those needs Um Yes, I think at this stage, I can't see myself going back to monogamy, no. Interesting. And Laura, what do you think you've learned about yourself through your relationships? 
I think, like, literally, yeah, what Nikki said, a lot of unlearning. <laughs> um, and I think as well, like, the Kiwi culture is just kind of, we're not great at communicating. And I think learning a lot about communication and I'm still not very good at it, <laughs> but trying to get better at it and being, like, open with how you're feeling. And I kind of never thought that you could, before um, the two girls I never thought that you could love more than one person or like you always had to choose between people or whereas I think a lot yeah from learning about polyamory I've learned that actually you can love more than one person and it doesn't detract from the other loves that you have. That's really interesting because I know that I feel quite like when I have strong feelings for someone I don't really have feelings for anyone else and I've always wondered how people can say they might be in a really committed, loving marriage and then stray from the porch of that marriage and, and get feelings for someone else. And I've always wondered, you know, how could you feel so strongly for someone else when you are in love with someone? But it's interesting that you have that really strong connection with two people at the same time. I think, too, um, someone once said to me, like, you don't have one best friend or like one child that you love and don't love the other or like one pet and so we seem to be able to love in a different sort of situation but for some reason yeah we seem to go down this route of being like well I've got to have you know one relationship and they have Um, to do everything for me it has to fulfill all my needs yeah I think from that point of view as humans we are capable of loving more than one thing or one person. Why do you think we put romantic love on this different level than other kinds of love? Like what is it about it that you think society believes needs to be one person and and offer everything to you? Because like you said, we've got these other types of loves. Why do you think people think it's different? Um I'm not too sure, but for some reason, there seems to be sort of a success that comes with it. So when you find the love of your life and, you know, you get the ring on the finger and you buy the house and you get married, that is sort of like the epitome of success, like you've made it in life. And so I think a lot of it is paired with that, which I'm not too sure why that scene is successful. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. Yeah. But for some reason, yeah, society thinks it is. Have you had people discriminate against you or say any comments about you because of your relationships? I think um, people almost pity you, like, oh, you're married? No. Oh, oh, that's okay. Like, um, you'll you'll (laughs) get the one soon and, you know, that's fine. You've still got plenty of time. And I think those, and it's just like, what? That, yeah, so if the little sort of, pity um conversations could stop <laughs> that would be awesome Laura have I you I feel like a lot of people I feel like a lot of people tell Nikki you'll find that one soon <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do people say to you Laura um I think like I feel like I'm usually quite kind of closed off about my relationships anyway apart from people that I'm like friends with um until maybe like a year or so ago when I was like I feel like I should just tell people because it just gets to like complicated yeah. <laughs> um 
and so then yeah I started a new job last year and I was like I, I just like from the get-go I just need to be open with everyone because then it will lead to less confusing conversations later on because then it's not a big uh, thing if you're just yeah. like straight from the start this is it yeah. this is how it is yeah and like even in my interview something came up about a relationship and I was like okay <laughs> I've got two partners do you um, think perceptions have changed though since you know you've been together for five years it's a long time has society in your opinion changed in terms of how I don't use the word acceptable but how common and how open people are to different types of love and different types of relationships yeah I think so and I think like definitely for like the younger generation like a lot of young people will know someone that is queer or polyamorous and so it's kind of like more common and especially with social media, it kind of travels more to everyone around the world, I guess. Um, yeah. And so I feel like a lot more people are kind of aware of it anyway. It's not like a big shock to them to start off with. Uh, and then I think like a lot of there's kind of more TV shows and media as well that have come out in the last couple of years that have been haven't shown like great examples of polyamory but still polyamory um and then I think as well there's a lot more people that are coming out as queer um or like within the LGBTQ um plus rainbow and they're kind of I feel like people that are queer are kind of more accepting and more they're kind of the drivers of polyamory because there's no set um, script of what you should say or what kind of relationship you should be in so you can kind of make up your relationship and no one can tell you oh that's actually not the normal way I think too like um, even traditional relationships have changed a lot in sort of the past like even 50 years you know um, people are now moving in together earlier there's you know kids before marriage so I think even with the traditional marriage rules kind of going out the window as such it's pushing the boundaries in for like what is acceptable for relationships yeah and do you guys have any advice on what you would say to the younger version of you who is just starting this journey into polyamory into being in a in a thruple Apparently, I've heard that being in a thruple is like level 100 of polyamory <laughs> and you should not start there. <laughs> so you went from zero to 100. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think probably in retrospect, I think probably it would have been better to learn more about polyamory and talk to more people about it and kind of understand it more and slowly kind of ease yourself into it rather than straight away getting into quite like an intense relationship. But it's hard though because you can't, you can't decide when to fall in love or, or when you meet the people that you love. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, like, obviously we're not experts. We're just kind of people that are in these kinds of relationships. So I think definitely speaking to someone that is, like, an expert in that field is always a good thing and definitely reading books about it and listening to podcasts and kind of trying to create a community around it can help when you're starting out. But I think definitely it's not for everyone. Uh, and I think some people really struggle with it because of past experiences or just personal preference. Um, but it definitely isn't a way to live life. And Nikki, what would you say to your younger self? 
Um, I think definitely don't get so wrapped up in, yeah, what society says is right. And, you know, even though they want you to find the love of your life and, you know, get the house and the ring on the finger and the two and a half kids, like, you don't have to play by those rules. And if you don't want to, like, don't. And given, you know, it was only a year ago, Laura, that you initially went into a workplace and told everyone straight off the bat and given, you know, you haven't introduced many or any partners to your family, what made you guys decide to speak today on this podcast about polyamory? Like, is there a reason why you guys feel so passionately about it that you're okay to talk to me about it? Uh, I think probably my sister pesting me for a year. <laughs> um, no, in my defence, um, Laura sent me a screenshot of a different news company that was looking to speak to polyamorous couples and you asked if you should talk to them and I said, no, you should talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably just good to show, get out there and show that actually it's okay and like it can work. And that you don't have to, what Nikki was saying before, like you don't have to subscribe to the normal of what previous society has said we should do. But also like, you know, you've got quite a normal job. You're you're just a really normal person who just has a relationship that is slightly different to the norm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not some, I don't know. I think maybe people assume <laughs> polyamorous people are like, I don't know, Real wacky. something different. Yeah. Or wacky, but. Yeah, I just not that wacky is bad. You know, um, I'm kind of weird, but relatively normal. And Nikki, why did you want to speak today? Well, I guess it just goes from the pestering to the pestering. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, I think Laura made a really good point in saying that we both see ourselves doing these sort of uh, relationship types, but we both do it quite differently and practice it quite differently. And so I think from that point of view, yeah, it's quite nice to know that with ethical non-monogamy, you can write your own rules and do what feels best for you. And is there anything else that you guys would like to say, anything that you'd like the listeners to know? I guess it's sort of like what you guys just said. It's not all like, you know, lots of crazy sex and beer and Skittles and it is like people <laughs> with feelings and emotions and it's just like other relationships. And Laura? Yeah, I think just the same as what we've been kind of saying. It's just we're doing life slightly different than um, the majority of society at the moment. But I think that in the future maybe there could be more of us out there and that's exciting. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast today. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thanks. This In The Loop podcast episode for the New Zealand Herald was produced and presented by Cherie Kinnear and Katie Harris. The sound design and audio editor is James Irwin. The live studio producer is Kane Dickey. And podcast manager is Mitch Powell.